You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Well, welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Greg Tanner. Hello, hello, hello. Greg, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am a professional bartender. I'm a trained chef. And I am the host of a podcast called Strange People, Weird World, which I do twice a month with my awesome co-host, Anya Daniela. And we uh, basically we just talk about strange, bizarre, and odd happenings all throughout time. I think one of the things that makes my show a little different is I try and stick to the truth a little bit more than um, cryptids and things like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you say, so you had to go to mixology school to be a bartender, correct? Negative. Really? You didn't go to mixology school? No, not at all. Um, Just uh, started by serving tables, got promoted to working behind a bar. And you just take it from there. It's the same with being a chef. Like I actually did go to culinary school. But if you want to be a chef, you can start in a dish pit somewhere and just keep working and keep working and keep working your way up. That's crazy because um I always thought a really fascinating job, at least for me, would be a bartender, only on the fact that you get to hear so many stories. Like you're talking about weird people. You get some weird people that come to a bar at one o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, dude. I love my job. It's great. Um and yeah, I anybody who wants to do it, I would definitely tell you not to go to mixology school. Um culinary school is worth it, but um just just get a job at a restaurant and start working. You'll you'll get it. Um, you know, study your drinks and things like that. Um, but as far as my job, yeah, I love it. Um, I'm actually working at a, uh, it's like an upscale breakfast place right now, which is pretty cool because I don't work nights anymore. And uh, I'm 34 years old. I'm getting up there and I'm in a relationship and she works on Monday through Friday, nine to five deal. So it's cool to be home at night. Um, but now behind the bar, I've got the addition of doing this uh, barista stuff. Yeah. I was about to say, who's getting a beer at five o'clock in the morning? Coloradans, man. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) It's it's crazy because like a lot of people like they see a bartender and then they end up like later, not even an hour, they don't even have to really know the person. They just end up giving them so much personal information about their life. I know so much, yeah. I, I literally last time I went to a bar, I sat down and I was like, Can you just tell me what you've heard? And they're like, What do you mean? I'm like, You're like a barber. Like everyone comes <laughs> to you and just starts bitching about their problems. I'm like, Free psychology. Yeah. And, and she goes, This one girl goes, Yeah, well, I mean, it's weird to find out stuff about people because then you know the people they're talking about. And then those people come in and then you get a whole nother side. And I'm like, Oh my God. So you're giving like a bunch of people's conflicts. Like you're finding out secrets and shit. <laughs> that would be pretty crazy. And it it gets worse because um, as they start drinking more and more and more, they become more open. Yeah, sometimes you get a little bit too much. Like, uh, uh, for me, it's like the uh, middle-aged ladies who kind of get out of control sometimes. Um, too many of the daiquiris. Yeah, yeah. The sexual harassment definitely goes both ways. Um, they Ladies get pretty lewd. Um, it's not really talked about very much, but I've, I've definitely been like, vigorously sexually harassed at work (laughs) well see the thing is when a male does it it's like seen as like aggressive and it's like like that but i'm like women do it actually even worse and there's women that admit to that like when they're trying to hit on a guy they know what they want and they're going to get what they want especially older women yeah and i've definitely been made to feel like uncomfortable like i'm you know i'm pretty good at joking it off and I'm, i'm really good at my job in that sense but it it gets weird for sure 
Dude, not, in a good, not in a good weird like my show. Yeah, I know. Well, I've sat down at a bar and then some older woman just be like, here's a shot. And I'm like, okay. And then she's like, we're going home after this. I'm like, what? Like, I don't even know your name. <laughs> but I ended up, she's carrying me out. But okay. Hey, hey it happens sometimes. Take care of me. Take yeah, care right. Of me. <laughs> so, so is this where you're kind of your fascination a little bit kind of hearing stuff about, you know, just people coming up and kind of confiding into you and then hearing a little bit, maybe some weird facts that some older guy, like a Vietnam veteran comes in and starts going, did you know that in China? And then just starts going off. Did you find this is kind of what linked you to your podcast dealing with kind of the strange things that happen in the world? Not at all. Uh, no, I think uh, my whole life I've just been a little weirdo. Um, I've always been interested in just odd, bizarre things. I love hearing just weird stories, but uh, really, I've, I guess it all starts, I've always been into entertainment. Um, I've done theater since middle school. I sang in a band. Uh, I used to produce beats and things for rappers when I lived back in Vegas. And towards the end of my 30s, or beginning of my 30s and my 20s, I kind of had given up on any sort of entertainment dream. And then I was introduced to the world of podcasting. And at first I just got into it like a, like a good listener. And then, you know, anybody who can, with an entertainment based brain like mine, you're going to sit there and be like, well, I can do that. Uh, so I just started doing it. Entertainment. What's that? Why'd you give up on entertainment? Um, just kind of, a. I would say it was a lull in my life in general. Um, it definitely a low point. And I kind of not just given up on entertainment, but I would say I just almost given up. Um, not seriously like crazy depressed or anything like that. I was going to work, I was living. Like if you knew me, you probably wouldn't know. But I had just been through a lot. Um, I got out of Vegas. I got out of a really serious relationship, um, an engagement actually. And I had moved to Florida for my ex-fiance and then it ended really quickly so then I was just kind of out there in Florida by myself and didn't have much going on and just kind of gave up on that's actually I I think we all experienced that at some point uh we all kind of really kind of feel like our life's really going nowhere and then we ended up finding something that pulls us out of it most people it's like a relationship some people it's you know a certain hobby that they randomly come across i say it's kind of finding your niche what you're really really interested in that really kind of drives you to pull yourself out of that slump absolutely Uh, i got lucky enough that i actually moved in with an amazing dude um still my best friend to this day I'm, i'm going to his wedding in october i'm actually officiating his wedding and he, he really helped pull me up, you know, as far as his physical fitness, mental health and all that, you know, got me happy again. He moved me out here to Colorado because that's where he was always going to move. I'm in Denver right now. And even, you know, I lived with him for like seven years, I think. And the whole time I would say it was a transition and just finding myself again and learning myself and getting new hobbies, learning that. I am a creative person and I need to be doing creative things if I'm going to keep a sense of happiness in my life. Sadly, this leads to one of the strangest thing I think is out there in the world is the fact that technology is becoming so impactful into our lives where we feel like we need to be comfortable just sitting and kind of staying in the same place over and over and over again. We're not, you know, creating anything like we used to we're not like the average person is not pursuing what they want they choose a life of netflix and comfortability rather than a life of exploring 
people not creating their own stimuli, I think is a, a real big problem. Um, so one of the things I fear most of all in this world is the fact of how far we're taking technology at this point. I, I agree with you for sure. I think the fact that now that we're doing successful brain transplant surgeries, the fact that I can take a brain out of you and put it into a completely different body and it would be perfectly functional, that scares the living crap out of me. Um, we saw first impacts of it with um, stem cell research. It was never allowed over here. Uh, it was seen as taboo. People were going overseas, like Japan, China, to be able to get these things. And then it started becoming big here. Now it's like a common thing. People are like, oh, get some stem cells into you. Uh, at least if you live out in California and kind of popular areas like that. It's scary to see what the world's becoming to because I have a buddy that is all into technology. I mean, his house is Amazon Alexa up to the point where you walk up to the door. It's like, hello, Robbie. That's oh, super scary. And I'm like, whoa, like. This thing just starts talking to me and it turns into like monster house where the house is like thinking on its own and alive. You're like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable anymore. Like Alexis, like, would you like me to flush the toilet? Alexis, stay away from my <laughs> man. Seriously. He bought me a Google home. I never opened it. It's been two years. It's still sitting in a box. I'm like, I like technology, but when I go over to his house, I see how lazy he got where it's like, Alexa, lights off. And the next thing you know, Alexa turns the lights off. I'm like, bro, get your ass up and flick the switch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's one piece of technology I've never wanted to have either. It definitely feels invasive. And I know there's a million ways that my privacy can be invaded, whether it's cell phone, my laptop or anything. But it still just feels like too much to me. Have you... Uh, like the height of technology I enjoy is I like that my iPhone syncs up with my MacBook. And that's about the coolest thing I need in my life. I think the best thing I think about with technology is the fact that I'm able to connect with you over just a computer. And usually like back in the day, we'd have to do this in person and I might never have met you. And yeah, that's awesome. I see technology's major benefit of that. Absolutely. I have, now I have a theory now. Okay. So stay with me on this one because you, right. you do this podcast, you know about weird stuff. Well, let me, let me shoot this your way. So I think technology is going to get to the point where we already have this thing. It's like a chip that they're trying to install into the back of your head. It's like a gene chip. Okay. Um, some person got it like a, put under their skin at first on like their wrist. So whenever they walked up to a door, it would automatically open, but it was a sensor on that specific door that would read that. Now I think maybe hundred years from now, maybe 50 years from now, it's going to start being a thing where people are going to be getting gene chips into the back of their head. And then later, it's going to be a requirement. The fact that before you used to have an optional idea of having like a debit card instead of carrying cash, we had a debit card. Okay. Some people swipe their card, some people still use cash. But now you're seeing it now, it's primarily is now card. Okay. A lot of places now are like, we don't take cash. Sorry, it's just card. Yeah. On top of that, it's a chip in the card. Yeah. And I'm like, this is getting strange. So then we go over to the fact that now if we get a gene chip in the back of their head, first people are going to get it are the smart ones, the ones that have the money to toss out for all that. Okay. Maybe like some, I'm not even going to give Tom Cruise that credit. He's not really smart. <laughs> you know, someone like Tom Cruise is going to get a gene chip in the back of their head. Okay. Then it's going to start being like, hey, we take the gene chip. Yeah, we take the gene chip. And it's like, okay, so now people are going to start implementing this into the back of their head. It's going to become mainstream. There's going to be two branches off in society. One, the people that don't want the gene chip. 
and two, the people that do have the gene chip. Later, we're going to split. So how we think of the Mormons, the Amish people that live in this horse buggy lifestyle, still doing manual labor, not having cell phones, still using candlelight and shit. Well, that's going to end up being society in like 100 years from now. There's going to be domes and like separate locations where like the people in the gene chip technology advancement era are like, whoa, those people still use planes. They don't have a teleporter. What? (laughs) And like, I'm going to be over in that other group. Like, yo, I'm fine with driving to work and driving back because teleporting all that chip in the back of the head stuff. I see too many ways where people can get hacked. Absolutely. That's that's scary as hell. Um, it would have to be mandatory. And even then, I would start rethinking options of where I can go live that it's not mandatory. I'm going to Russia. If that, I mean, if need be, if they're not putting chips in your head in Russia, um, hopefully something. I have some friends who just moved to Ecuador and they love it. So, you know, maybe I'd, I'd team up over there with them. I just see like people, like my buddy's like, dude, it would be so awesome. Imagine having Google on the back of your head. I'm like, I see the benefit. No way. I, no. I really see what's awesome about that. But I fucking know people. I know <laughs> how disgusting people are. You're going to be sitting in class looking up porn in the back of your yeah. head instead of doing factual information and research. I mean, half the time you're on your tablet or something or on your phone, you're staring at some stupid social media thing that gets you pissed off. Or oh, it's playing- terrible. Yeah. It's, it's terrible working at a restaurant and I walk up to a table and there's six people, you know, after they've already ordered their food and you should be like chatting and socializing and catching up with the friends that you don't live with and you're like, you're here to meet and see, they're all just face first on a phone. So being a, being like you started off serving and stuff, my cousin does that. Does it anger you when you see a family sitting in there where they're supposed to be connecting over a meal that they're paying a little bit, probably overpriced for, uh, not having a conversation? Like there's a little bastard kid that has his cell phone out and he's just literally like, bam, bam, bam. Like all you hear is the sound effects and the dad's like edging him on to like, kill that one, kill that one. I'm like, what's going on? There, there's a lot of kids I definitely feel sorry for. Um, not, not even anger. It, it, it's beyond anger. It's, it's just fuck. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's on the fact that like a mom or dad nowadays, they don't have the time to deal with the kid anymore. His little temper tantrum, his little thing that's going to get him. It's so easy at the age of three or four, just to shove a tablet in his face. Oh, it occupies him. Oh, it keeps him from freaking out. It's like, he's supposed to have those freak outs. He's supposed to get it out. He's not supposed to sit there and play Minecraft for 10 hours a fucking day. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, being 34, I'm, I'm part of the, you know, like the last generation that, you know, my childhood actually was out playing, I was doing stuff like that. Um, you know, I didn't have a cell phone until I was 16. And then it was just the uh, the Nokia brick with snake on it. Well, those things were invincible too. You could run those, those things. Those things were fantastic. I, I washed one of those. I think a lot of kids nowadays aren't going to know what it was like to have a home phone. No, absolutely not. I don't even know my parents' number. So if I got in trouble, I'm basically screwed. Like, call, call, just call mom. Like, who the hell's mom? I don't know, mom. Do you have the exact number? I don't know. I just go onto my phone and it does it for me. Yeah, absolutely. If I go to jail, I, I'm just, I'll have to write a letter to somebody. I don't know what else if to do. If you, if you end up going to jail and you have to give you one phone call, you're going to call 911. That's the only number you know. That's the only one. Yeah. I call 911. It's like the dude across the desk picks up, hello? And I'm like, 
yeah um i don't know anybody's number so i just called this one the guy's like you guys you just wasted your one phone call i'm like well shit okay can i send you to my house you're supposed to help me when i'm in. <laughs> well i think a lot of stuff like with technology i me and my cousin we were we were talking about this how weird it's getting like the fact that now you have wi-fi signaling boosters in your house so like you can put it in a certain outlet and it's supposed to increase the wi-fi and maybe that dead part of the house that doesn't really get much wi-fi and i was like we can hack teslas we can hack a lot of electronics can we hack one of those and then i started thinking imagine you know how your central nervous system is nothing but electronic little synapses firing off, so it's technically like electricity? Yeah. Can somebody make an EMP that could be sent through a Wi-Fi signal router and literally knock you out in your own house, like knock you out for 10 minutes? Knock out your electricity, you mean? Like knock out your central nervous system, like be able oh, to send okay, yeah, I'm following frequency, you and basically you're you're sitting there eating frosted flakes, and next thing you know, bam, head first right into the frosted flakes. That's some crazy shit. It's, uh, it makes you think, though, right? Because that can, could ha- that could happen. Can you send? Can you send an electromagnetic pulse through a router or through like a Wi-Fi thing? I don't know, but we can send EMPs through multiple different other things. So why couldn't they do it through a Wi-Fi router? Yeah, I don't know too much about the the deliverance of an EMP. I, I you know I played Call of Duty. I know what one is, but yeah, that giant burst thing. But I'm saying if technology can get to the point where that EMP can be put through a smaller radius and just yeah, knock out somebody and targeted like, towards the central nervous system. I mean, we have weapons like sonar, things like a bat that make you see through walls. What stops you from connecting into all someone's electricity, like a phone tap or something, but connecting to the whole wiring of your house and just literally cause the whole house to just electric, like electrocute you? Oof, that's like gnarly. Cook you like a Pop-Tart. And I started talking about this and I'm like, that's when I would live an Amish lifestyle. I would choose to just cut myself off from all technology and just try and survive on my own out in nature or some shit and then my cousin brings up the point you know what that wouldn't work and i'm like why wouldn't that work i'd be all cut off from technology no cell phone nothing i'm I'm wiping my ass with sticks it's what we're going back to he goes the sad thing is if you're around any part of nature those have a brain frequency just like you do those little synapses the trees can base there's a group of trees in africa they found out they can um have like a nervous system they connect oh yeah aspen trees out here in colorado they're all linked Exactly. Like if a bug starts eating their leaves or a type of plant, they send out a, this chemical response that can change the taste of their leaves to kill off a certain insect. I'm like, so wait a minute, what are you trying to say? He goes, now imagine if they can tap into the central nervous system of your brain and be able to shut you down. What's to say they can't just tap into a trees and then be able to eavesdrop on you while you're out there? I just said, fuck, well, I don't know what to do. Do I just ship myself off the planet? Do I do what Elon Musk did and just hop in the next Tesla that goes up to outer <laughs> space? Uh, that's, that's fucking crazy to think of. I mean, the scariest part about technology like that is always anything we vaguely know about, they've been doing for a decade at least. Yeah, the CIA, I mean, all those companies, all those deep secret government so, stuff. I mean, the things you're saying, it's not out of the question to say it exists right now. Yeah, man. I like apparently they have phones like whatever we get now. They've had forever. Like they have absolutely. 
I get yeah. on the point military safety. I understand that. The whole fact is they got to be at least 10 steps ahead of people just on the fact that in case we get attacked, they have the next big thing. You know what I mean? But yeah. there used to be a thing where you wouldn't want to put a cell phone up to your head because <laughs> you could get radiation poisoning from it. Now yep. we hold that cell phone up to our head 24-7. And then when we get pissed off over the smallest things, we don't tend to think that has any correlation to it. Well, not only that, it's sitting by your genitals all day the rest of the time when it's not by your head. I mean, if you're like me. It's straight up you know, cooking. You, you gotta, yeah, you got it right there in your left pocket. Luckily, I don't want kids. So that's part of my master plan, Mountain Dew and cell phone by my nuts all day. That and a hot tub. Apparently hot tubs do the same thing. Oh, really? God, I wish I had a hot tub out here. I think we all wish we had a hot tub. Imagine that, just bubbles constantly. Oh, it's amazing. Right? I want to I take every grown-ass adult that's having a really shitty day and open up like a bubble bath spa and just be like, this is, this is the bubble stuff I used when I was a kid. I'm going to throw this in there, just fucking enjoy. And then I guarantee you all of them would immediately just a mood would increase immediately. Uh, you, I got happy just thinking about those, bu- like the different like bubble brand bottles from when you were a kid. You got like your Batman bubbles or Ninja Turtle bubbles. Like, or whatever. the bubble washers, dude, those drinks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get the, like, the little special iconic caps and be like, I- I'm Batman today. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. There's really some stuff. stuff that does not, like it's it, it, it literally stands the test of time. Baby bottle pops, ring pops, all, all, basically every major candy. Uh, but there's so much shit that just like they try and bring back and it just doesn't work. Like you can't bring back Johnny Bravo today. You can't bring back so much. I hate revamping movies and things like that. So you basically hate Disney. I do. Oh, Disney ruined my favorite movies ever. There's some movies that were meant to stay in that time period. And then they did it like Lion King. A bunch of people hated Lion King. How... How are you doing a live action movie of something you can't do live action? The fact was, if they just would have animated the eyes and they would have animated some eyebrows and maybe like the face a little bit more, they would have been a way better movie. But the fact is, they they dived into CGI technology with animals and that doesn't create emotion in the film. So you're saying, like, what? That's what I heard. I haven't watched any of those. I have no desire to. Um, I've given Star Wars a shot because that is. Is you know my favorite movie series of all time. I couldn't watch it, or at least was. You know what? I'll say what Rogue One. I enjoy. Wow. Um, I I think the director really nailed the grittiness of the original series. It doesn't feel like it's for kids. At least, Um, it just has that old feel to it. I enjoyed it. I could watch it. Everything else they put out feels like it's for five year olds, and it's terrible. I can understand that only on the concept of I know that they're not adapting to really me just as an audience anymore. They're adapting to younger generations. Absolutely. Someone like I'm not an old man, but somebody that was influenced by my dad's Jedi, like all that type of stuff he liked to watch was stuff I was raised on basically like, hey, watch the older stuff I'm interested in. We can sit down and do this together. Yeah, same. I had a sci-fi stepdad who, you know, put me on all this. Trying to watch the new stuff just freaked me out. I'm like, this, this, this is this is not something I'm interested in. The one things I do like is the old um, programs, like this experiment t- stuff they do, and they when they make that into a new movie, that's really cool to look at. 
Yeah, that can be cool sometimes, but I just hate like like new Ghostbusters, new this, new that. You know, the like fact they just redid Hellboy and like oh, I ruined old, it. Ruined. How old was Hellboy to even redo it? Like ruined it. They ruined that movie, man. Yeah, Ron Perlman was great. He's the only Hellboy, and then people are like, "You didn't like the new one?" I was like, "No," because he looks like a cartoon. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look like... The best part about Ron Perlman was you could tell there was makeup on him, but they made it... They tried as hard as possible not to do that. Now they just CGI'd him a little bit and made him look like he was... Yeah, because if you look at Ron Perlman, you still see Hellboy. There's so many different things that we've... I say we need to take a turn back. (laughs) A little bit. I think when your phone starts being able to control your toilet, we got to realize we need to go back to evolutionary chain. Absolutely. Like going back to the chip in the head thing, like how growing up to where like I had to like go use an encyclopedia to do book reports, then to dial up computer to, you know, just having Google on a desktop computer was really cool. I have Google in my pocket now. How much easier does it need to be really? I can reach in my pocket and access anything I want. Why do I need something installed in my head? Well, you know what's crazy now is every kid now, at least in my school down here in our education system, is now implementing their very own tablet. They've been doing it for two years now. There's no longer textbooks. There's no flipping to 42, flipping to 36, flipping back to 74, flipping to 85, and then seeing a dick at the end of the page. (laughs) There's no more of that nostalgia. Everything now is just... Oh, you got a tablet. You can't Sharpie on a tablet. You can't pencil yeah. on the president. I used to totally write messages for like whoever would have a book after me next. But you like seeing the hand-me-down book. You like opening yeah. up the front of the textbook be like, whoa, that was my brother's friend from like five years ago. And I'm like, yeah, there you go. That was a connection. Now kids aren't getting that anymore. They literally get a tablet that they carry through the rest of their school year. Like, here's this. Like my cousin's like, oh, dude, I left my tablet at school. I was like, the fuck you just say? <laughs> I'm like, does anybody not know this is a problem? And then like right. his parents go, well, it's it's a better way for them to learn. I was like, no, it's not. It's a better way for him to learn how to get onto the school's Wi-Fi and find other ways to play games on it. I watched illegal movies. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But I watched that <laughs> shit in school when we had a computer class. Our teacher knew it was really crappy to have a woodshop class in a technology room. That just, I don't know how that happened, but it did. And the whole concept was my whole junior and senior year was just doing nothing but watching hip world heart, world star hip hop on freaking in class. <laughs> I literally told my teacher, I said, you know what the craziest part about Craigslist is? And he goes, what? He goes, you can find fucking anything. He goes, no, you can't. I'm like, dude, if I typed in right now, someone that would pay to come over or someone that you would pay to come over and punch you in the dick, it'd be on here. He said, how much do you want to bet? I said, you give me the A for the semester. Well, I looked it up. There was. Dude was charging $100, <laughs> man. My teacher just looked at me and goes, I have no faith in humanity anymore. I was like, the service <laughs> is there. The service is there. Somebody sent me an ad one time. I guess they were thinking of me when they saw it, but uh, I'm, I'm six foot four, 225 pounds for anybody hasn't met me, which would be all of you. Uh, they sent me an ad. It's a, a small man was looking for a man six foot or taller to carry him. That was all. And he was going to pay $400. These are the people we need to get on podcasts. <laughs> right? Like what? Have you ever seen Tom Segura's um, podcast with his wife, uh, Christina Pazitsky? 
No, I love his stand-up, but I've never, never Dude, seen Dude, his podcast, Your Mom's House. They just watch the dumbest videos and look up the weirdest psycho people ever that like, <laughs> there's one dude they wrote a documentary on called champagne and this guy's like i live and he starts giving out his address and he just wants some guy to come over beat him and then love him and all this stuff he's like i'll pay for your house i'll pay for-. i'm like these are people okay these are people that are either severely hurt or they just want a way to connect with people again but i'm like these are the, these are the average day americans now it's crazy i mean is there an average american See, this is where we got to go above and beyond, Gregory. So I'm going to dive into your podcast a little bit here. Okay. What about the world have you found out that has really kind of changed your mind on its outlook? Ooh. It's a good question. I'm really good at that. So. It's, uh, it's like, it's like uh, what's that show? Who wants to be a millionaire? When Regis, you're at the final, like about to hit the million. Yeah. And so, Regis just pops a question, and he's like, you got two lifelines. All right, I'm going to redirect it just a little bit. Going back to why I do my podcast, uh, we were kind of talking about that a bit, and um, we veered a little bit. But when I started my podcast, the, the theory behind it is it, the same theory. i am always been interested in doing stand-up comedy, too. I've never quite made the full dive um, but the theory behind it is I, I just want to make people happy. Um, I, I want to point out things in the world and laugh at them together with my audience. I just want to make people smile. I want to feel like you have a friend to hang out with, um, somewhere cool to go, uh, you know, visit me and Anya, see what's up, laugh at something together. We do have some episodes that get darker. Um, I guess the scariest one I ever did to answer your question with this would be um, gang stalking. There was a man in, uh, I believe, Sacramento, California. I can't remember his name. Um, you know, it's it's only about six episodes backwards from my most current one. But he he believed he was being gang stalked by the police. You know, the people who are supposed to protect you. And you know, listen to the episode if you want to find the various reasons and things like that. But this guy was video. He like, he set up surveillance out of his house, and there's definitely some questionable things. And he, he does have a mysterious death. It's funny because I did my spinoff podcast called Fill in the Blank. Ha, ha, little reference nice. to the name there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it, it honestly didn't take long to think of. But we're uh, it started on like maybe we should try and narrow it down instead of just conversations that are really random. But try and focus on specific topics as well. And I was like, okay, what do you have in mind? So my buddy's like, I want to know every single folklore. I want to know all the weird shit in the world that's going on. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna say some stuff, and then I want you to give me some uh, weird stuff you've kind of come across. Okay. But one thing I found really, really, really strange was the concept for shoe tossing. You know where you see the shoes on top of antenna antenna wires and all that, like when you were yeah yeah yeah. I, I was always told that was drug dealer houses when I was growing up. Yep. See, I was told something different. I was told that was gang territory. It okay. turns out it's a mixture. One. Apparently, back in like when World War II, what people would do is they would tie their boots, they would tie their shoes together, and they would throw them on top of wires um, for their family coming home from service. Uh, it all started technically, it originated back like in the Western, not really Western days, but like, yeah, kind of the Western days, horse and buggy, not really car yet. But okay. um, pe- farmers would show up. Um, to the front post that they have on their fence on their property and they would put the boot outward 
letting people know that they were leaving for the day so they wouldn't be home. And when they returned, they would turn the boot inward so to let people know that they were home. Eventually, it scaled up to the point where it was supposed to mark gang territory. Then it was supposed to mark um, a drug dealer lived in that house. I thought that was fascinating to figure out. That is pretty interesting. Um, I wonder why you pick a boot instead of just having a sign or something. I guess it's just a way of because I guess if you're you're a drug dealer, you're selling drugs. You probably don't want the cops to see a sign that says I'm a. Drug well, yeah, def- definitely the drug dealer thing. But even at that, like, how long can you get away with the shoe thing before it's a known? You know, it can only stay underground for so long until somebody spoils the secret. Spoils the secret. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened with Avengers Endgame. I ended up finding out about it like ten minutes after the movie came out in theaters. It's like fuck. Oh, no. I actually haven't seen it yet. I've been slapping I haven't lately. seen it, but I've Snapchat screwed me over, so. That sucks. That's like, I'm glad I'm an old man without Snapchat, then. There you go. You're <laughs> disconnected in a way that's probably very good. So what, what have you kind of come across? Um, let's see. You know, w- one of the fun ones, uh, earlier on before my show got really on its feet, I, and I was just kind of, you know, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. I did like a weird food episode from around the world. And it's crazy how just through tradition, what people are still doing around the world, especially like Icelandic countries where they'll like catch a shark, bury it in the ground for three months, then hang it in a shed for another three months, and then eat this like green fermented gross meat. And I... I get there was a point in time where that was like the necessity, you know, that, that was the way to way to do it. But that's like Thanksgiving when they cook the turkey for like two days. You're like, I want to fucking eat it now. I want something I can like cook in ten minutes, not wait six months to eat. <laughs> uh, what happens if six months from then you're like, I don't even want this anymore. I don't fucking want this anymore. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, I. I mean, I guess. I don't know. It, it sounds terrible. It just, just sounds terrible. And there's like, I think if you go to Minnesota and stuff like that, you can find a lutefisk, which is another like a white fish, which they like age in battery acid or some shit. Oh my God. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. I, if I um, want diarrhea, I'll just go to Taco Bell. <laughs> I've, have you, do you know the history behind cornflakes? No. Okay, so in 1945, Sir Harvey Kellogg worked at a psychiatry, like mental institution, and uh, he left some oats in a bowl with some milk, and it sogged up really, really, like, kind of strange, and it kind of hardened, and he, that's where he got the idea for cornflakes, because he found these people were eating them, and their passions would stop. So really, cornflakes, he was, like, cornflakes led to believe people that if they ate it, they would not masturbate that their sex, all that stuff would stop. He believed that with cornflakes being such a bland, hard cereal, that it would stop people from their passions increasing, which was around the time the sugar industry was saying that fat is bad, not sugar. It's fat, not sugar. Huh. So that turned into this whole anti-masturbation cereal. And then that's, that's when like, crazy. the green rooster on the front of cornflakes, his name is Corny. Corny the rooster. His saying used to be, up, up, up with cornflakes, down, down, down with masturbation. <laughs> I was like, damn, like we didn't even think about that. That is crazy. And then you, find, you find out in history, sliced bread used to be banned. Really? 
you so it could, wasn't the greatest thing right away. No, it, well, it's it was at the time technically, but the fact was they could no longer sell it sliced because they real. This is around the time uh, Rosie the Riveter and all those all the women had to step up in the factories and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They saw it as a waste of time pre-cutting the bread for somebody, so they could only sell it by the loaf. So they actually made it illegal for factories to start slicing your bread for you. So then you got a bunch of kids like me, you know, you're home from school or something and you're, you want some, uh, nice PB and J and you pull out a loaf of bread. You end up taking two loaves and just slathering the peanut butter on the whole thing. Oh man. Savagery, my friend. Savagery. That's very savage. (laughs) What about experiments? Have you dived into the realm of any government experiments? Uh, the Philadelphia experiment, I did a two parter on. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, do you, uh, so the Philadelphia experiment, uh, you have to excuse my, my bad memory. I am, uh, it's all good. I'll fill, I'll fill in the spots. Yeah. I I live in Colorado. I've been a stoner for like 19 years at this point, but, um, the Philadelphia experiment is allegedly a government experiment where they were trying to make a whole ship disappear. Uh, supposedly they did so. Uh, the ship disappeared. People on it report different feelings, uh, different different things that happened to them. Uh, all very sick. And when the ship reappeared, supposedly people were like infused in the walls. Um, some people didn't come back. Yeah, you guys have guys like half like waist down into the iron hole of the ship. And any survivors from that point like has severe mental problems and things like that. And they were just kind of swept under the rug and, you know, denied, 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 denied. Yeah. Well, the problem was with this whole thing where it became like a giant conspiracy theory was the fact of all the timeline inconsistencies. Yes. The fact that it didn't make sense that any of this was really happening, that a ship could teleport basically halfway across the globe and then teleport back. Um, But it said in like, this was like the 1950s but the guy who discovered it was a ufo researcher so you got to kind of take that where it stands um only on the concept of a lot of the ufo guys seem a little bit batshit nuts either they have experienced something or they are being a little bit just kind of mystical and sci-fi in a way but if i'm not mistaken that guy was mysteriously found dead in his car does that yeah, uh, ring a that's, bell? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Because I yeah. learned through my podcasting, I cannot be, I cannot conclude anything to be fact. I have to be as open minded as possible. Absolutely. I am open to everything now. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, they dismissed the guy. His name was Jessup. They used to. That's it. Yeah, Jessup. Yeah, they called him like a crackpot. All these types of things. But he, with the way he said it though, was like he saw some World War II shit on a on a naval shipyard that seemed a little bit like some alien technology. Now, I don't know if you saw this recent documentary, The Truth with Bob Lazar. No. Uh, the reason I haven't watched it, and we, we were told to go back and watch it anyways, I hate the director of that documentary. Um, other, I've watched like every UFO documentary on Prime and Netflix, but the last one I saw him do, he's like constantly just filming himself. And like, I just, yeah. it just seems very gratuitous. Well, the guy with Bob Lazar was actually one of the first podcasts I ever did on on the subject of Area 51. Now, Bob Lazar worked at a hangar known as S. It was either S7 or S8, 
and it was known to have flying saucer technology. He talks about it in his documentary, he gives like experience on it and stuff and how basically for the past 40 years until recently this year, um, they called him a conspiracy theorist, a nut job, because the FBI banned all of his records from Harvard ever saying that he went over there and totally discredited him as a loon. So he originally said gravity wavelengths have two forms, A and B. We always thought for the longest time that there was only one form, and that was A. Then of last year in December, a university that's now getting the Nobel Prize discovered that there is two wavelengths, A and B, and that guy was right for the past 40 years. Wow. So everybody's looking back, and they're finding out, like, he's the reason why all these people want to go storm Area 51. Uh, uh. He, all because he said a joke like but he literally came out and told everybody like hey area 51 does not hold aliens it's a government training facility for flight stuff so it's like they're not going to let you on there hey yeah, well, ex- yeah. sorry well, go ahead well they said hangar s8 was the ones where he saw the flying saucers it's throughout history through operation paperclip where we took the nazi soldiers and we got them and helped them fund our space program to help us get to the moon warner von braun there is drawings of the nasa spaceship that thing that little white shuttle that's that's a nazi invention the absolutely nazi, yeah. yeah yeah the nazi scientists did our whole space program yeah, the Nazis had flying saucers before we did. The very first actual recorded evidence of a flying saucer or alien-type technology was in Canada, the Aereo 59.7 or something like that. That was um, It was a Canadian-like spacecraft, but the, the Nazis are the ones that perfected it. We just made it look like it looked like from Independence Day or some shit. Yeah, I did a, a weird, weapon, weird weapons of World War II episode, and Hitler was actually working on a craft that would skip across the top of the atmosphere so he would have this craft uh manned by one person skip across the atmosphere so we could actually go over our country and drop bombs from like literally the top of the world it's crazy to think the only reason we really truly invaded germany was the fact that how big they were becoming with just how small of a country they are they seemed like they were being a dominant force but our true intentions for going over there was we found out that he had a weapon with bubonic plague that he was going to release. He literally found out how to put it into an atom bomb. So when it exploded, you'd be infected with bubonic plague as well if you survived the explosion. Holy crap. Yeah. Now, there's been multiple theories. Okay, so there's actually a time, two years in Germany, from 1944 to 1946, where actually he changed Christmas. Hitler literally changed Christmas. Instead of making dolls, uh, airplanes, cookies in the shapes of stars, gingerbread men. He actually changed it to where you were making fighter planes, making toy soldiers instead of the cookies, gingerbread men. You, you were making uh, Nazi symbols. You were making Nazi Christmas ornaments. There's actually a picture of Hitler that they used for front of greeting cards where he's smiling with the child while the child's making a Christmas decoration and they're both sitting there making like a Nazi signia thing. Wow. And he literally was so powerful, he took the Christ out of Christmas. That's literally what he did. But there were some people, he tried to go as far as taking Santa Claus out. But no, 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 no. Santa Claus is too fucking powerful. See, the fact is, <laughs> there are some Germany people um, from older religions that strictly adhere to Santa Claus. The fact is, that's a, they don't see Christ in Christmas. They see Santa Claus, Mr. St. Nick. Okay. So he was not able to take down this. And one thing I found fascinating, actually listening through to your podcast episodes, one that you can bring in some light on too, the men in motherfucking black 
Oh man. <laughs> Dude, I, I started looking up like what the men in black movie, like I wanted to buy it, like kind of watch it on like Amazon or something. And then I yeah. started seeing images and I was like, Oh, let's see Will Smith. Nope. I started seeing these people that look like they had no facial features. They look like their face was completely burnt. They look so like you, everything. You saw the video of the guys walking into the hotel. Dude, yes. And I read the freaking case studies on fucking people that were crazy. Did you read the case studies about the people that were coming out saying they saw a black Cadillac with a plate that says like the unknown like numbers they couldn't really read on it and they just got picked up in the middle of the night? Wait, they got picked up in the middle of the night? There were people that said, like recorded saying that there was evidence, like they, they were sitting at home one night, some guy randomly came up to their door oh, okay. in a black suit, kind of burnt face. The weirdest part about the men in black was the CIA can burn off your fingertips. So why can't they take out any of your facial features doing cosmetic surgery? Nobody Ooh, ever looks at that. That's creepy. So now when they do that, Imagine me just cutting off your ears. Just basically you have two holes on the side of your head, filing down all your facial features. So your nose is kind of flat. Your mouth is kind of doesn't have any lips. Your eyebrows are gone. Um, get those lasered off. Uh, kind of, you know, put on a contact lens so your eyes are the same color as another guy. Then you get two of those guys walking side by side. They look exactly like twins. You could not tell who's apart. Maybe a height difference. Now, That's what they did with the men in black. What? You think this all the way back to like the 30s? Honestly, I don't know because the concept of because these sightings are going all the way back that far. They get I, I these think, exact descriptions. Exactly. See, the the problem is I can't I can't say anything is true for real, but you start wondering the government's done some shady shit. That movie, Men Who Stare at Goats with George Clooney, I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh, it's been a long, long time. But they're using psychological warriors. Yeah. and re- That's yeah, yeah. a real government experiment. It was known, Absolutely. As, it yeah. was known as Project Jedi, and it happened an hour away from my house. My mom actually went to that high school. Oh, wow. You find that out basically 15 years after the movie came out and you saw the movie in theaters, you start to question some shit. You start to wonder why Raisin Bran makes you not want to masturbate. You, want, you, start to, you start to be a little bit iffy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to, you know, asking me why I'm into weird stuff. Also, you know, I'm from Las Vegas originally. I grew up in Nevada. My dad's also from Nevada. My dad's a fucking rebel and a cowboy. And when I say cowboy, I don't mean boots and a hat and shit like that. I mean, guns and fucking going out there doing what he wants. Yeah. Not, you think cowboy, not the horse, but the, yeah. Yeah. He's a man with a four wheel drive truck going out and doing whatever he wants in that state. And he's been chased out of some precarious situations for sure. Well, it's and, funny. Anybody I've ever talked to from Texas, like other podcasters, they all do a mythology or crypto or some type of weird paranormal type of thing. And I'm like, what is that? And it's because that's where a lot of the folklore comes around from too. Like I had one guy, uh, one of my buddies, Mike Simons, does the uh, Anything Goes project. He was telling me, he was like, you want to hear some Texas folklore? He started saying stuff. I'm like, dude, that stuff came from Mexico. That's an El Cucuy. That's not Texas. That's Mexico. El Cucuy, like, yeah. You're right next to the border, which makes sense why a lot of your stories and mythology that you consider Texas comes from the Hispanic people. They're a yeah. largely religious and a largely believer population. They believe in that mystery in life, which I think a lot of us need to believe in. Yeah, I think there's actually a movie coming out uh, about La Lorena, Lorena, I think her name is, uh, The Lady by the River. Have you ever heard of that one? I've never heard of that one. 
um she like lost her kids or something and she's just if you live in a house by a river and you grew up in a a, a latin family uh she was always like a threat uh somehow um my, my girlfriend would have to refresh my memory completely but basically she like stalks the riverbank up and down looking for her children that she lost or maybe she drowned or something like that i think she drowned her kids and so yeah lala reyna will come get you if you're if you're not a good child well i what i did a i did um podcast on the lady in white the lady in red you know these types of ghosts like a lady in white yeah. someone that killed herself before she got married and a lady in red is like supposed to be a prostitute that's killed in like a hotel is when you're supposed to see them let me tell you something from hands-on experience i've worked at a hotel uh for the past couple of years now and i have not seen a ghost of a prostitute anywhere in that building <laughs> i have tried many times to look for one but i have not found it yeah, we're, uh, my girlfriend Miranda and I were all about the, you know, we try and do ghost tours everywhere we go. We stayed at the Stanley Hotel and did that tour and all that. But I actually more recently had a guide shed some pretty interesting, we'll say theory, I guess, on on ladies in white. Um, in general, back in, you know, like cowboy times and things like that, where a lot of the ghosts on my side of the country, you get, generally, if you're just an average person, you know, dyes and colors for your clothes were expensive so your general you know wear is just like a, a white dress and things like that so like well, everybody that, was a lady in white well no one understands back in the day you wore white like to get married that's it's that's so old terms everyone thought white meant proper because famous people and like royalty like the queen would wear white um it's a big mistake there's actually a lot of people that didn't believe in wearing a white dress for just one occasion because of how expensive it was. Basically, when you turn the color of any shirt, anything, and you make it white, you can add a little bit more money to it on the basis of white is more proper. Um, that's I found that strange finding that out. And then also leading to the fact like, you know why people wore white wigs back in the day? Uh, like in England? Yeah. Do you know why people wore white wigs and why, why? we even wore it here? Well, Why? what do you think? What do you think? Uh, I really, I have no idea. Um, it's always kind of silly. I know they still do it in the, the judicial system. Yeah, that, that part um, is more modernized to the point of like, it seems like it's proper. But yeah. it actually started back in the day. It was people suffering from syphilis. Oh, shit. What happens when you get syphilis is like your nose falls off. You start getting these like corrosions of the skin, like a scab, but it starts ripping open your skin and your hair falls out. You start getting these lesions on top of your head where you're like, you have to wear a wig to cover it up. And uh, people, that's how it started. Um, but people started looking at it like, wait, the royalty has wigs. They must be proper. I must go buy a wig now. And then it started becoming like a big thing. But uh, a lot of people like in the royal families that were suffering from inbreeding and things of like this yeah, yeah. on the concept of they wanted pure blood. Um, so they wouldn't breed out of the royal family. Oh, so gross. Uh, it, that was because that was all because of syphilis, dude. They would wear like these types of masks. They would glamour themselves up with makeup because their skin would be such a horrific color, like a meth head, basically. Oh man! So that's why you know powdered white wigs and powdered white skin and all that, just hiding your your gross family incesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could fix the whole. Uh, you know, when you, the, the whole thing about uh, dogs, right? Like purebreds. That's perfect. I said that right when the dogs are Yeah, right? <laughs> They're like, what? What's funny between the difference between a purebred and a mutt? Um, a purebred is, you should think, inbred. I got this. Yeah, absolutely. A, yeah, there's a really good show I think you might be interested in called Adam Ruins Everything. 
Um, it's on, uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, I've heard of that before. The dude exposes so much stuff that will make your mind just go, oh my God, and make you want to research it even more and find out the true stuff to it. The facts that the tax system shouldn't be a thing. The fact that I could ask you this, do you think tipping should be a thing or do you think t- waiter, waiters should just get paid an amount to be able to live off of, not just 250? Oh, that's such a hard answer for me. Uh, I think if I wasn't in the industry myself, I would say they should make a regular living wage. The fact that I use my personality to make a killing off of tips, I'm just happy the way things are. Yeah, my cousin's a server, and he said, from thinking from a logical standpoint, a company should give you just a regular normal amount of pay to survive off of in case you don't make tips. But what I'm saying is we should make tipping illegal. But if someone wants to give you a $5 or $10 thing because they really, really like your personality, yeah. it's going to be part of the job description, though, the fact that a company can hire you and then on the basis be like, well, you're going to make two fifty an hour, so hopefully we get a busy day. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I definitely see that, that side of it for sure. And I know there's people out there struggling with it. Um, it's, it makes it extremely difficult when you like some businesses, the way they right. split their tipping is they don't, the individual person doesn't get the tip. Sometimes they put all the money together and then they split yeah. it at the end. That's messed up because if I would never work there. No. Yeah. If there's one dude, that's an asshole. You're getting all your awesome tips. And next thing you know, yeah, no, you're not coasting off me. Like I average 25%. I don't need somebody who's getting 10% tips. Look, I had to talk to the guy for 50 minutes about Bigfoot, not you motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I had to actually, even today, I actually had to have a conversation with a deaf guy about aliens, but I was wearing my alien button-up shirt today, so... Um, had a conversation with a deaf guy? Yeah, um, just kind of, like I said, I was wearing an alien button-up shirt, and he just pointed and complimented my shirt, and I said, thank you. And then he whipped out his phone and started showing me stuff, and they ended up being like pictures on the side of his camper, but he's got this whole alien motif on the side of his camper, and then... I started communicating with him how I just recently went camping at the UFO watchtower. It was pretty, it was, it was a long, hard conversation, but it was fun. Do you, so tell me about your experience at the UFO watchtower. Uh, it was pretty cool. So it's in Southern Colorado and this lady owns a property. Uh, it's, you know, high UFO sighting kind of area. And she, I think she like inherited the property or something and didn't know what to do with it. So she's put up this watchtower and you can pay 15 bucks and go camping there. And we did have a little bit of experience there, but I want to tell you what happened a month before when I was in the area, but not actually going to that watch site. Uh, my best friend who I told you about at the beginning of the show, he now lives in Pueblo, Colorado, or like further outside of it, but he's a hemp farmer. So just kind of living in the middle of nowhere. He grows CBD hemp for some company. And I was going out to visit him, and I'm driving down Highway 50 in the middle of the night. It's a long, long highway. And in Colorado, I know you people on the East Coast aren't quite used to it, but you can see forever. And so I'm on this long highway. And for example, at one point, an ambulance came behind us. And the ambulance was behind us for so long, it was awkward because I didn't know when to pull over. But it took 40 minutes for this ambulance to like pass me. You should just pulled over and be like, let's fight, bro. Come on. I'll put <laughs> I mean, you in the ambulance. Right. <laughs> but that's just how long you see something coming up on you, you know? Yeah. So we're driving the same night. And all of a sudden in my rear view mirror, the center one, I see what looks like a motorcycle headlight. 
and it's like exactly like I would say 15 feet behind me if I had to guess. I'm staring at it for five to 10 seconds, trying to figure out what it is. And as I'm driving, it's not changing distance or like where it's at at all. Now in the time when I said, hey babe, what's behind us? And she starts turning her head, this thing just whoosh, zips out of sight completely. Were you not sleeping? Were you driving for a long time? It's a, it's a four hour drive. These are questions a person's going to ask when in my mind, I'm thinking you saw some shit. Yeah, no, it's not super late. This is like 10 o'clock at night where we left at like six in the evening. I'm in bed by 6 p.m. You're nuts. <laughs> uh, I, it, it, I guess you could say it's late for me. I do wake up at 4.30 for work every day. But yeah, so it, it's the end of my night and it's late and it's nearing the end of my drive, but I, I stick by my story. I see the thing is you start a lot of people when they talk like the most UFO sightings are seen by people that fly uh, jets and stuff of that sort mid, late at night. Um, yeah. And they bring up the fact of ball lightning and all these weird illusions that your brain can kind of play on you. The same factor of when you're sleeping in a dark room and you wake up, you can start seeing shadowy figures moving in the distance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's there's a, there's a line between an illusion and a line between what's real. And a lot of people choose to believe that it's just an illusion rather than it might be something. I think if aliens did land here, they would not associate with us only on the concept of we're probably not ready for what they have to say. What do you, I believe that President Eisenhower signed a contract with the gray aliens way back a long time ago with, uh, they're allowed to abduct X amount of Americans for trade of this technology. Um, I just think that's something that happened. I, I do think they've made contact with us. I don't think they're constantly like. Involved. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I wouldn't say I believe that, but I also can understand that. And it's also a highly possibility because the government does a lot of shady shit. Um, there's also, uh, Reagan was the one that signed up uh, to have this one center that gets $500 million a year uh, that we have today. You can look it up. It's called the Center for Existential Risk. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. It is literally a place that monitors technology and networks and all these types of things that is coming into the mainstream today, uh, basically making sure Skynet doesn't happen. Okay. It's constantly monitoring every single bill, every single device that's coming out, every type of AI technology like Sophia that just got rights, all these types of things. It's monitoring that to make sure that we're not going to hit a point where Skynet becomes a thing. Okay. And AI is what scares the crap out of me to go back to our very, very earlier conversation. Did you see there's a there's a comedy special out with Whitney Cummings in it. You should watch that, dude, because she does. Um, they use the real sex doll, the um, AI uh, skin thing. And they yeah. the Sophia brain and put it into this thing and made it look exactly like her. And they're both on stage. And I t guarantee you, if they stood very similar, you would not be able to tell who was the real person. Oh, that's so creepy. Joe Rogan did a podcast with her in it, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like watching it. I'm like, I can't watch this. It's really, really uncomfortable because the only difference you can't tell if she's an actual person is the fact that where her muscles are or where her mouth reflex is that kind of shows emotion is on like the corner of her lips. So those that those just randomly pop up while she's talking, which shows like it, she can't really evoke emotion. Like a machine can't do that. Yeah. So it scares the crap out of me. That is super scary. 
You see, have you um, have you seen the movie Ex Machina? Yeah, and let me tell you something. It that that would happen, dude. That 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 movie. I think that started my fear. <laughs> if there's a guy and a girl robot, oh, it would so happen. It's gonna end up we're banging that robot. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, it's about a guy who gets seduced by an AI robot to break her out, and then she just totally played the dude and fucking goes off and does her own thing. The main problem is the fact that, like, if you saw Chappie, you know, you see that, like, a machine learning and kind of devolving into its own. It's really like watching a person grow up. Like, if they have a really bad experience, they could turn that into something, like, wonderful with their life, or they could choose to let it cruel them up and be able to be, like, a gangster. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If we make machines, the only reason we make them so look just like us is on the fact we want them to be relatable. We want them to be like comfortable around them. We're not supposed to be comfortable around machines. We're no, I, yeah, I don't want that. Like, I want to know it's a fucking machine next to me. If it's going to be an AI system that we start living in, I want it to be like iRobot, where everyone still realizes these machines can fuck you up. The whole yeah. concept, like I want people acting like Will Smith, not buying it for their house and letting them do all their shit for them yeah like the best i want i want like a c3po like something i can kick the fuck over if i have to yeah like you can't do anything about it yeah exactly just just some little you know slow moving humanoid thing it just goes oh my you've knocked me over i'm like "Yeah, yeah i did yeah but it can google things and do whatever you want i just don't want something to backsass me absolutely because i you know what i already get in fights with siri I do. I'm telling you, man. Sometimes I'm talking to Alexa. I'm like, Alexa, music on. And then she won't listen to me. I'm sorry. Did I get what you said? I said, motherfucker, Alexa, you stupid hoe. And I'm just like, as like a joke, obviously, but like my buddy's yeah, like, yeah. really mean to Alexa. I'm like, yeah, no, same thing with Siri. She pisses me off. I don't think we've ever had one good conversation. I don't need that, that, that voice. The fact that we even have that on our thing is a little bit strange. The fact that we need the connection to hear someone's voice through that way. Yeah. And, and again, I, I don't even use that. I I don't, you know, I joke around with it sometimes, but like, I just open Google, like I open my browser, like it's fine. Yeah, I could take the extra minute to search up something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what, Greg, it's been awesome having you on the podcast, man. I'm glad we were able to do this and shoot the shit, dude. I want to get, yeah, man. I want to give you-, you a minute here at the end while your dogs are barking. They probably want to know who's letting them out. Um, <laughs> I want to give you here a minute at the end to be able to promote your uh, podcast and kind of tell people where they can find your awesome information. I appreciate it, man. Um, so yeah, like I said, the show is called Strange People, Weird World. Uh, whatever you're listening to this on, you can find our show on, except for YouTube. I have not done that yet. Um, but yeah, iTunes, Spotify, all that. And of course, I appreciate a five star and a comment. And you can follow us at SP Weird World at Instagram, and you can follow me at Greg's Weird World at Instagram. And yeah, that's about it. I hope you check out the show. I hope you like it. If you don't like it, you know, keep it to yourself. Yeah, that's, if all, you, that's all I say. If you don't like it, then you don't like what's strange about the world. You're just open. You're not open-minded. You're closed-minded. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if you're uh, listening to this show, I can already assume you're probably a pretty cool person. So yeah. yeah, give us give us a shot. Come have a laugh with us. Um, my co-host Anya, she's funny, she's bright, she's amazing. She also has her own show called the Enlightened Lounge. Um, you can give that a shot too. It's kind of like a, a wellness, you know, personal care deal. She's all into that holistic stuff. Well, Greg, it was awesome, kind of shooting the shit about the weirdness of the world and the weirdness of people, man. 
Uh, Stay tuned for another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.